0: You're listening to Embarrassing Family, where we share our weirdest, wackiest, and wildest family stories. Hello, everyone. Today as our guest, we have Bratik Srivastava. Try saying that three times fast. He is a nationally touring comedian based in Chicago. His comedy album, Nick and Sheila's Kid, debuted number one on iTunes charts and number one on Amazon's bestseller list. So, growing up in an immigrant family, did you have any uh, funny or embarrassing stories? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what the
1: album is. It's a lot of just, you know, awkward and embarrassing situations. Uh, I, I have embarrassing musical choices, as we all do. Uh, <laughs> I used to love Limp biscuit You know, most parents aren't the biggest fan of their kids' musical choices. they will try to convert yeah. them to, like, the Beatles or whatever, right? Not my dad. My dad literally wanted to connect with me so he took me to see Limp Biscuit in (laughs) 2000 oh no I turned my father on to Limp Biscuit that day really it was wild to the point to the point David that my father would call me at school and ask me about Limp Biscuit. because what's he gonna do (laughs) what's he gonna do talk to his friends at work about Limp Biscuit? no so he would pull (laughs) me out of class because this was like when you know cell phone now you get a cell phone when you're Three or whatever but like yeah. back then i never a cell phone so like he'd have to call the office so i get sent to the principal's office i'm thinking i'm in trouble and instead my dad would be like so yeah I, does does fred durst rhyme the words ass raw with chainsaw what is he doing <laughs> you know? so it was wild like i'm corrupting my dad instead of yeah. the other way around it was <laughs> he, he was he was a cool dude though he was a big fan of he 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 loved american muscle cars we own he would own oh, nice. a lot of camaros uh that's how i learned to drive by the way was on a camaro it was not as glamorous as everyone thinks like whoa you had a camaro that you could take to school no i had a camaro that used to to pick up my sister from daycare that's what i had a camaro for
0: right yeah it's very also
1: it's a very low car it's a very difficult car to learn like basic driving skills on because it's lower to the ground so it's harder to see everything too so yeah i was i would always be uh, like oh boy and my also other thing too is my dad would never like he was reluctant to like okay you want to practice driving. You can practice driving by going out and driving like, but when it comes to general like errands and all, he's gotta be the one that drives. Like to this day, if we're going somewhere, he has to be the one that drives. I don't get to drive. I, I once had to even pick now, him out
0: as an adult. Even now.
1: Even now, as an adult, he does not like if somebody's sitting with him, he wants to be the the driver. He refused to let other people drive. To the point, to the point, David, that I had to pick him up from an accident one time. I picked him up from the accident, he said, Okay, get out, I'll drive now. He to drive home? <laughs> <laughs> from the accident like what the fuck it was it's wild yeah so yeah dad's a pretty uh, pretty
0: wild dude was it just like you being his son or was it just, like no one like not the wife not like his friends not anyone my mother would drive when he wasn't there basically
1: like when we have to go somewhere she, she would she would drive uh, there would be times when we'd go to parties or whatever that she would be like can I drive home or something and he'd be like ah, fine but i think he just <laughs> he enjoys driving that's his sort okay. of okay what I've kind of learned, what I've kind of investigated and picked up on these years of being an adult is driving was one of the few things he learned when he came to, like he drove a little bit in India, but I think he really picked up his love of long drives and driving when he came to this country. So he looks at driving as his connection to the first thing he did when he moved to America kind of. So I think oh, wow. it's something he holds on to. Like, I think he would feel inferior if he couldn't drive for some reason. Like if he was not, he wants to drive till he until he is on this earth i think he doesn't want to be one of those 90 year olds who can't drive like he would look he would feel lesser than himself he could if he couldn't drive so i think he just holds driving such right. like a thing you know man making good time too it's not just he drives like no gotta get to the place good time why is this person slow you know it's it's all that stuff so yeah and he loves when people don't know how to drive and he has to show them driving he loves that oh wow. <laughs> He's a driving fiend. I mean, he didn't really show me how to drive. I learned actually how to drive mostly on my own, like without him. Like he helped. I'm not going to say he didn't help, but like it was definitely like he'd be like, we'll do this and go faster and do that. And it's just like, you know, you need to maybe apply this a little bit more seriously. And also when I'd asked to go practice, he'd be like, yeah, but we have to set aside certain non errand time. Like most people learn how to drive doing different errands and just during day-to-day stuff. We'd be like, no, I have to set aside an extra hour on a random weekend, because he didn't want to let me go drive when he had to go do other things, so it was just, it was interesting to learn how to drive from him, uh, you know. And, but I've learned how to drive on my own, and I and obviously, doing stand up, you have to kind of fucking drive everywhere. I don't. Yeah, of course. But it's interesting though. Like my my love of driving came differently because of how obsessed my father was with driving himself. Like I kind of to like build my own interest in doing it, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah, of course. When when your dad was driving, was he was he listening to Limp Bizkit? <laughs> yeah, there definitely were a couple
1: times he would like so there's a station in Chicago B96 like kind of the hip hop station. He would legit blast hip hop music from the Camaro and he just enjoyed it. He was always a big fan of what the kids were listening to today, like Snoop Dogg. He would always have MTV2
0: on like at night. So it wasn't just Limp Bizkit. It no, was, it was all the all the hip young people. He
1: likes hip young. My mother's like that too. My mother went to see Drake with my younger sister. My mother likes Coldplay. That's why, you know, when a lot of comics do like the the immigrant parent jokes, they talk about, oh, my parents are out of touch and they like their things or whatever. No, my parents are the opposite. They're a little too in touch, if I'm being honest. You know, they like Limp Biscuit, They like Coldplay. They like Green Day. You know, they're always talking about that. We had a we had an argument on the Thanksgiving two years ago about whether or not Eminem won an Oscar for eight mile. And it's like you could just look it up on the phone. But my father was like, no phones. That's cheating. We're gonna figure this out. And there was a two-hour argument about whether or not he won an Oscar, because the argument was one side thought he won an Oscar for like acting or something, and the other side no, it was he
0: definitely 30. did not win for acting. No,
1: it I was thought for maybe the a music. song." It was for the song. Uh, he didn't show up though. Then became an argument about whether or not he showed up to accept it, which he didn't. It was a writer for the, uh, which I, because uh, I know, because that fucking argument, I will never forget that information. But it was, it was like a guy named Jimmy Resto actually showed up to the ceremony, not Marshall Mathers, and he was one of the co-writers for the for the song or whatever. Yeah, he literally wore like a blazer with a Detroit Pistons jersey underneath the <laughs> blazer to the Oscars. It was fucking wild. But, yeah, my family, we. We're, we're we're a loud, boisterous bunch of people. That's that's for sure. I, I don't know if your is your family loud at all
0: or you know not really. No. <laughs> some 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 of some of my extended families, but as far as my immediate family, I would I would say no. <laughs> How was your family like? They were very like loud and boisterous. Did they like piss off the neighbors? Did they play like loud music? Like what was that? What was that like?
1: Yeah, I think there was definitely an element of pissing off like neighbors at times because we were we. I remember like we'd have arguments like on our. Just And they would be, like, mundane arguments. That's the thing. It wasn't, like, physical abusive arguments or anything. It was right. always, like, mundane arguments Like, well, this is happening or this. Or, like, you know, with the vaccine coming out, there was always, like, well, you should take Pfizer, you should take Moderna. Like, you know, like, like kind of sort of trivial arguments, if you will. And so, like, being in, like, you know, a backyard or something, there was always, like... My mom would be the wrangler of just like, oh, don't worry, the neighbors might hear. Don't want to be too loud, blah blah blah. You <laughs> know what I mean? So there was that element of we don't want to be the loud people on the block. You know, like, and again, when you're one of few Indian people in the neighborhood, you don't want, you know, you almost have to be the model minority. You have to be, yeah. you know, the dipl- diplomat. We're like, no, we can't be the loud ones because we're the people of color. And I would always kind of combat that a little bit because I'd always be like, you know, well. Listen, we're we're brown, but like why there are other people yelling in our neighborhood, we can hear arguments of other people, so like why is our racial heritage or our skin tone a reason to why we have to act proper? You know, if we just want to be proper to be proper, then that's different, but you're specifically saying, "Mom, oh, we shouldn't do it because we can't be the one brown people in the block. So it's a slave. I'd be like, well, I I never understood sort of like, we got to represent our whole people the whole time. Like, no, people can be flawed. Everybody's loud. Everybody's human. Yeah. So yeah, we'd butt heads about that from time to time. I mean, in terms of like just general, like loudness, like that was actually a thing that was, we were dealing with during, so I, I moved out, you know, during college and all, but then during the pandemic, I moved back home for like that, you know, whatever, 12, 13 months it was. And, it, it would definitely be like, you know, my mom and sister would be discussing something or they'd be arguing about like a Friends plotline episode because like, you know, my sister was a little young for Friends, but she's been rediscovering it like a lot of you know, younger people there today. They're yeah. watching, rewatching Friends. They actually went to the Chicago exhibit for the Friends. Like they had all the props and all. There's like a television museum that we have in Chicago and they went to – Check that out, but yeah, they were arguing about friends or something, and meanwhile, I'm trying to do my job. Uh, I had a remote job where I was kind of like a Facebook content moderator, but for a different company. So uh-huh. I'm trying to concentrate on work. I have my cancellation headphones in, but fucking, they're not. They're not doing anything. They're not coming out. So just like I'm not doing my work properly, and they're arguing over there, and I gotta be like, "Yo, I'm trying to do work right now," <laughs> and they're like, "Well, just close your door." I'm like, "My door is already closed," and it's the heat of the summer fucking things are gonna fly out so like just like come on like keep it down y'all then my dad picks up and goes why are you yelling at your sister mom? <laughs> so then it becomes this four-way thing of just like they're arguing and then i'm arguing and i'm trying to do work and then nothing gets done so it's 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 that thing of like mountains out of molehill kind of thing yeah. it escalates out of one thing to something so you know it's it's not like we're like screaming at each other but it's like it's that like healthy argument, healthy competition thing. That's kind of what
0: I've related to. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it's good for families to, you know, have these types of things and kind of, you know, vent their frustrations. Vent their frustrations. In a friendly, nonviolent way, as long as there's no uh, no attempted stabbings or murders. No, you know?
1: nothing like that. We're not that. And I don't want to give that impression to any of the listeners. Like, no, we're no, not, not. No one's doing anything like that at all. It's just it's here's our thing. My parents both came from bigger families. So I do think that element adds to some of the loudness too is when you come from a bigger family and there's so many cousins and we're not just talking about just the regular siblings they have like three four siblings each then there's the extra cousins and all so you're all you're trying to fight for attention i think that's where some of the loudness comes from you know david of course
0: yeah yeah it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease you know
1: absolutely so but what's funny is it's just the four of us. Now we do have yeah. extended family that lives in India, somewhere in Vancouver, somewhere in Philly, but really it's just the four of us. So it's like, you're using that loud energy from a big family in a small family. So I think that's where some of the dichotomy and some
0: of the, some of the annoyances and the irritations come from sometimes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so you were living with your family the whole time during the pandemic. I mean, yeah. aside from the loudness, what was that? What was that like kind of moving back in?
1: It was interesting, my friend. Uh, so here's the thing. So March 2020 I had just I was just about To sign a lease On a new place In the city I had some shows Booked at the club Literally that March 15th So I had a show On Friday the 13th That March 13th Friday that show was good like good date. Right. And that show was going to happen or whatever <laughs> yeah. then and ended up not happening. And I was like about to, I knew I was going to be in the city all next week for the shows. And that I was going to move to my new place. So I'm like, you know what? I'll go back to, I'll go back to the suburbs where my parents live. They're from town. They live in a town called Lombard, Illinois, which is actually, it's kind of what the town of footloose was based off of the no dancing town. Oh, like really? it's, it's fucking wild. Uh, so I go back there just for, for the weekend thinking, Oh, I'll be back Monday. it be fine. And then that <laughs> Sunday, the lockdown happened. And
0: yeah. then
1: just Everything. And then the lease, the place I was going to sign, the building guy who was sorry, charged lease, he's like, hey, things are kind of like crazy right now. You know, look, you can move in if you want, but I'm giving you an out because we don't know what's going on with this lease. I don't know who's going to be around. So if you want an out, this is your out. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in. And it was going to be like a month, like a, like a year and a half lease. So I was like, you know what? We don't know what the hell, how long this thing is going to go. Yeah. I'll take the out. I took the out in hindsight Short decision, but, and I was like, it, it was a way to save money too. why I have yeah, this course. place. And I can't even do anything. Right. In hindsight though, then I, I felt stuck then like in October, you know, or like when people were starting to, there was like that mini open up that Chicago kind of had for a while. Uh, but like, yeah, I just stayed home the whole time during that. And it would just be like every month, like, especially initially, like, and in, in especially from like April to May to June. I didn't let the annoyances bother me as much because I was like, well, eh, it'll be, we'll be fine we'll by home, summer. You We'll know? be fine. Yeah, uh, stick cool. it out. Yeah, stick it out. It's fine. Oh, I get to watch movies again and just kind of whatever. Hey, ha, ha. But literally, I'm not no joke. By like middle of the summer, I'm like, what the fuck? This thing is not going away. That's when yeah. the frustration kicked in. And then when I was seeing that, you know, in Chicago, things were kind of opening up again and other comedians are doing shows like in person and all. And, you know, I... Didn't really want to take that chance being with my family. That was the other thing too. It wasn't like I could go do a show and then come back with my family. I didn't want to right, risk their you
0: know, older parents to worry. Their
1: about. older parents, and then like you know, you don't want to take that. I ch- just in general, yeah, I, you know, you don't want to take that chance a little bit too. So, but that fear of missing out on in FOMO, you know, this is FOMA. stuff I've actually not really talked a lot about on a podcast or any sort of interview. So you're kind of getting the exclusive, you know, with this that yeah, I was doing virtual stuff obviously, and that was listen virtual. You know, I don't want to turn this into one of those conversations, but like virtual it's an option that's there and it's a great way to connect with people. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't have met if it weren't through virtual stuff. Of course. So yeah, it was definitely keeping me going during that. Like that was the, funny enough, the outlet for that would be like, my parents would be like, oh, are you going to go do your virtual show right now? And I (laughs) was like, I'd have to like you know barricade the door or something because I didn't want disturbance. <laughs> I don't want them coming in because I don't want them. What if they walk in and they get featured in something or whatever? You yeah, know? Like, these things. Make their get comedy streamed, debut. Make their comedy debut. Get they streams this in Tokyo or whatever. We don't we don't <laughs> need that right now. You know, like they. Yeah, we don't we don't need that. So I was just like, it would be kind of a stressful thing. Like, okay, nobody nobody talk loud. I'm doing a show right now. There would be like it would be like work time quietness and then showtime quietness it would be it would be it would be wild man uh i was also trying to be sober during that time i tried not to drink alcohol but my family that's very tough that's very tough when people are drinking like other people in my family drink like my parents order rosé every week i don't know if you know about rosé it's that fucking yeah uh, i know rosé yeah but like these are like indian people drinking rosé like a bachelor party from connecticut what the fuck man like, <laughs> what, what are they doing so yeah like i'm trying to be sober and i'm with family and i'm in the same is our thing too same childhood bedroom i grew up in it was like traveling back in time it was like back to the future kind of in a way you know so it was all these different feelings wrapped into one so we talked about the album a little bit we recorded the album before the pandemic so we're still trying to get that you know off the ground so it's all these different feelings wrapped into one why isn't the album done wh- wh- when is it going to be released when am i going to do real shows again Ah. Uh, my dad is arguing about something dumb. I can't even cook eggs because my mom is like, you're going to turn on the stove and something will happen. So it's a jambalaya of all these different feelings wrapped into one. You know, it was interesting, though. I'm definitely, uh, you know, I am grateful for the time in hindsight because I do think there's a hustle and bustle to the city of Chicago that, you know, it can. It, it's not very tranquil at times. You have to find your, your relaxation moments. And being back in Lombard, it's there were some cool things that came out of it i uh you know i'm not trying to turn this into a plug thing we'll get to plugs maybe at the end or something but i do a web series where i yell in front of nature <laughs> that the impetus for that was going for walks while i was staying with my parents so i do think it was you know it's something to mention kind of is that it was like well i got to go for walks i just i need some fresh air blah 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 and i'm like oh this is very tranquil oh i could do something out here so i wouldn't if i had been in the city living by yeah. myself i wouldn't have thought about doing that so i'm i'm very grateful for kind of some things do happen for good reasons you know serendipity does exist you know i wouldn't have that web series if it weren't for my parents and then you know as w- when we decided to plug the album you know we released it in december of that year of, the, of 2020 we were going to release it in the summer but then you know the protests were going on and all that stuff so we waited till, yeah yeah this
0: is not a not a great time not a
1: great time to you know make it about myself or anything so we wait till december but then because I was home with family, I could record promos using my parents and all. We were able to do some funny videos with them again, having, being around them, having some access with them, you know? Uh, and also I would say I, I did get some material, you know, being with them, you know, the argument stuff, you know, yeah, I never really, I did talk about some of them in the, in the first album, but I will say that, yeah, there is some other things I've noticed about my family, whether it is them being loud or just the way arguments kind of escalate or the way my mom sort of watches the news and things like, Oh, when she watches a news story, she thinks, oh, Pradeek, that's going to happen to him. Like literally, <laughs> she sees myself in the thing, in the news. It's like, man, like, so there's definitely, it, it was a creative uh, incubator being with them too, in terms of like creating ideas or creating sketch ideas. I kind of have this one like character thing I might do that's based on something that happened living with them. So there's... Definitely, like you know, sometimes you have to be in like a hotbed of tension to be right. creatively inspired too. So there's definitely good and bad from that. You know what I mean? It feels like you know you're like stuck in time or something. You know, I it does, I, yeah. I I grew this beard and and the the thing I equated to is like you know I don't know if you remember the original Robin Williams Jumanji, but he gets stuck. Yo, in oh the God, game. yeah. That's what this pandemic feels. <laughs> like. I got stuck in the game with my parents for like 15 years, and I come out and now. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta rebuild my life. Why is there a tiger right there? It's fucking. Wild. <laughs> that's what it kind of feels like right now um and we're actually i mean i'll give you the exclusive no one else knows this we're kind of recording a documentary right now or come out with kind of like my return to stand up or whatever and oh nice but it's going to be relevant to my family too because like they're like cuz my parents i'll be honest my parents aren't a big fan of this they're like you need to kind of, of cut your this or whatever oh no of the beard <laughs> Oh
0: <laughs> yeah. My, my parents wouldn't, don't like a beard on me either. Yeah. I didn't grow it out nearly as thick as you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess, uh, before you go, any other interesting, uh, stories about your family you want to tell? This one's a little wild. Uh, so. Oh, that, that's good. I like wild. I like them wild. You, you like a little wild, you like a little wild out
1: there. Wild, wild and out like Nick Cannon. Am I right? Exactly. You know, so. <laughs> so on my 30th birthday, you know, most parents give, 30th birthday, they might give something, you know, like a car or something like that. No. My parents, you know my mom gave for my 30th birthday? Carbon monoxide detector. That's what she gives me. Yeah, I know. What? Why? (laughs) Right? So I was actually moving into a different apartment when I turned 30. And so I moved in. I have this brand new detector. It's from Home Depot, right? It's like digital. It's brand new. It's like one of those things where you like plug it into the wall. I plug it in. It turns on. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, I start moving stuff in or whatever. It starts beeping. Like crazy. It's beeping. It's going off. So I'm like, Do I have an oxide poisoning? What am I supposed to do? So I call my mom, obviously, because she worked in real estate for a while. So I call her. This is literally the phone I called her on. And I go, Hey, what do I do? I'm like, Do I have an oxide poisoning first off? What's going on? She says, It's clearly broken. Take out the batteries and it will stop beeping, which is horrible advice. She didn't say call the fire department. <laughs> yeah. Or no, she said, take out the batteries and it will stop beeping. So I unplug it, take don't out die. the batteries. Yeah. Don't die. She didn't mention that either. Come on, mom. Don't die. I call my dad too. And he's like, listen to your mom. I don't know anything. Talk to her. So they're wilding out or whatever. I take out the batteries. I unplug it just to see if it'll stop beeping. This thing is still beeping. It's going off. I'm like, what's oh, going God. on? So I'm like, do I call 911 or like fire department or something? She's like, no, just take it back to home Depot. I'm like, are you sure? Now, ultimately ended up happening is, I called the landlord. I called a cousin. They did like that like UV or like the monoxide wand detector thing. Turns out it was a defective thing. But then here's the thing. I was so nervous at that point. And my mom was like, she did not let me let up on. She's like, no, go back to Home Depot right now. Go back right now. Go back right now. So in the state of anxiety, and I did have facial hair back then. In the state of anxiety, I grabbed this beeping thing.
0: I put it in a backpack.
1: (laughs) And I get on a Chicago bus with a beard and a backpack. Because of what my mom told me to do. What the fuck? Like, what is that? Yeah. See something, say something, right? Like, it's it's wild, David. But, you know, I have to you're say... You're lucky you're not in... Um, Guantanamo. Get- in Guantanamo, yeah. Otherwise, this would be a very different podcast. If I- I'm coming, t- <laughs> coming to you live from Cell Block D. It's, <laughs> it's inmate number 212. <laughs> no, yeah, I... Uh, I made it back, I made it to Home Depot actually, and I got you know what I got from Home Depot uh, I couldn't return it. I got store credit, but I got store credit for one hundred and fifty dollars, and you know how much the monoxide detector costs one hundred and thirty five I got a fifteen dollar profit on that
0: fifteen dollars, yeah, from a defective carbon monoxide
1: and I kept that home Depot gift card until June of that next year, and I gave it to my father for Father's day.
0: <laughs> oh, sweet, so is <laughs> it's kind of ironic your dad's your 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 parents bad. Defective carbon monoxide became a became... gift that I give to yeah. that. <laughs> it's like a weird sort of irony. <laughs> Yo, it is. And the, here's the sad truth
1: is the shirt that I'm wearing right now started out as a father's day gift to my dad who then re gifted it back to me on my <laughs> birthday. So
0: Wait, can, can I see the shirt?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's this it's, uh, I got my dad's a big bulls fan, right? So it's literally like Chicago bulls, Chicago bulls. So it's Jordan. I'll shout out to nineties bulls tees. Uh, it's a company that does 90s bullshirts shirts mixed with like 90s pop culture. So this is the Jordan and the Nirvana logo. So it's really cool. And my dad, he, funny enough, he does like Nirvana and he likes Jordan. So I thought he would like that. But then he gave it back to me and uh, you know what i think i look better in it than he does so
0: <laughs> it worked out <laughs> but did he know when he was regifting it that you already gave it to him or was he just trying to like sneak it off like oh look here's a nice gift he thinks that i thought i would forget and i'm like no <laughs> i remember he thought he could he thought he could land one in closer down, but he did how could you forget a, a shirt like that with right Jordan and nirvana yeah <laughs> it's such a specific th- shirt it's so specific
1: yeah, it'd be one thing if I got him a tie, but no, it's so specific of a shirt that he just thought like, oh, I could like just do it, and my son won't notice. Now, granted, also uh, th- there was another gift wrapped up in the shirt too, but he- I think it was just like a funny thing they did. It's, just, it's such a it's such a cute thing. My parents, my parents annoy me, but in a very cute way. You know what I mean? They're they're like kittens when kittens try to bother you, you know, like that. They're immigrant kittens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good way to describe them.
1: <laughs> you know, listen, we love our parents. We may not always get along with them, but at the end of the day of we love them. And also they push our buttons because the parents are the ones who install those buttons. You gotta think about that too, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't have named the album after them if I didn't if I didn't believe in them. You know, there's definitely it's a dedication to them and the hard work that they did in, in, in helping me and my sister.
0: So yeah, as much as we are annoyed by them, we gotta love them, you know. Of course. We all we all love our parents. Yeah. So um before we go, um I know you talked a little about your documentary, um, you talked about your web series. Um, do you have any other uh, interesting projects that you're working on?
1: Yeah, we have we have the documentary. We have the web series, Neurotic by Nature. Uh, album is out now, Nick and Sheila's Kid. That's available on my website. If you want to learn all about me, that's that's where to go. Website, it's prateekomedy.com. And that's P-R-A-T-E-E-K, comedy. Everything's on there. All my tour dates are on there. Um, I help produce a show. If you're in the Chicago uh, area, I produce a show called uh, I co produce a show called Comedy Tub that's every Thursday at the Kedzie Inn. I produced that with Aaron McDavis, Dylan Scott, Liz Greenwood, and Laura Hugg. They're all fantastic for people in Chicago. So if you're in the Chicago area, uh, check that out. Uh, I help sometimes host a virtual show for those of you that still like virtual shows. I help co-host uh, with Eric Brandstein and Drew Clear, who are two very fantastic New York comics. I help co-produce uh, Chirping Bird Comedy that's every Monday, 7 p.m. Central Time. But yeah everything I do is on my website and I hope people check out the album if they want 58 minutes of fun comedy. Uh, I also have an EP that I put out too. That was just like a, like an eight minute thing. It's called read the room, which is just kind of like a teaser to the album too. So all that great stuff is on my website and, uh, yeah, I hope you guys all check it out. Thank you guys for listening. This has been, this has been a lot of fun, David.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a five star review. Would you like to be a guest? Please send a story about your embarrassing family member to embarrassingfamily at gmail.com.